We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass, State Responsibly. Tuesday Roto Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jake Latarski, joined today by Eric Turi. If you're out there on Twitter, please give Eric a follow at ETCAT30. You can follow me at JakeSki52. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, please leave us a nice rating and review. Really helps us out a lot. And uh, any feedback, of course, is always welcome. Eric, today is a big day for camp injuries that seem to be affecting week one of the preseason here now some of these injuries are serious they're going to affect drafts if they're coming in for the next couple of, couple of weeks and some of them are going to be closer to okay they just might miss some preseason game 
might miss some practice, but if it were the regular season, they'd actually be playing. So we're going to try to make that distinction today for the most part. And we're going to start off with Julian Edelman, who seems to be the biggest news of the day. He had to remove himself from practice early, and the concern there is that he may have aggravated uh, the surgically repaired left foot. What is? Can you kind of talk about the situation and what level of concern do you have right now? I guess I don't have a heck of a lot of concern. Uh, we actually have this uh, reliable doctor we kind of follow. We don't reference when it comes to our updates on rotowire.com, but we kind of follow him, and he usually gives a good diagnosis slash prognosis for any type of injury that comes out. So this is uh, this is something that actually is that accompanies the recovery from this injury, like the latter stages of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not uncommon for this type of injury to happen. It, it uh, I guess the recovered part is mostly healed at this point. It's just like a little, like, I, I don't know, I guess we just call it tweak. Yeah. You know? so not, not really a setback more yeah. of just like a, a bump in the road kind of. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, his, Status is in danger for Thursday's game, of course. I don't see why they would even push it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense to put him out there for the preseason opener. But uh, they're just going to probably, you know, keep him limited or out for the next, you know, few days to week mm-hmm. and then slowly bring him back into the fold. Yeah, so let's look at these uh, Patriots receivers then. Edelman's probably not going to play in the opener. Danny Amendola's on the pup list. So we're looking at uh, Jimmy Garoppolo building a lot of rapport with the likes of Chris Hogan, Keyshawn Martin, Nate Washington, Eric Dobson, those types of players. So that's what you're going to be looking at and even if you're like, tuning into the preseason opener. Yes, And apparently even uh, Malcolm Mitchell, rookie, is impressed uh, a lot so far in camp. Okay. That's somebody that uh, our resident Pats fan, Mike Doria, would probably rave about if he was mm-hmm. good at podcasting. Yeah, so uh, so so Matthew Slater next on the depth chart. We've heard that name before. Not a whole lot. I really see this even. So Edelman's going to be the, the the top guy in the year, you know, provided this doesn't get anything serious. But we're looking at these tight ends, the Gronk, Martellus, Bennett combo. I think those are those guys are going to get the majority of the targets outside of Edelman. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot to like uh, with that Patriots offense. Who knows uh, what Jimmy Garoppolo's weapons will look like come Week One, but. Long story short here, this uh, the Edelman injury here, does that affect where you're drafting him at all? You're always kind of worried when the aggravation of the previous injury happens. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just like a slight drop. Yeah, because I, I just took him in, uh, in, in an MFL 10 in the fourth round. Yeah. I took him as my third receiver behind Allen Robinson and um, Golden Tate and Julian Edelman. Mm-hmm. And right now Edelman... Uh, 21 overall among receivers sandwiched right in between Randall Cobb and Dwelton Tate and Kelvin Benjamin and Jeremy Macklin. So that's kind of the caliber of receivers you're looking at there. Yeah, and how old is Julian Edelman even at the moment? I believe he's an even 30. I was looking at that earlier because I was deciding between Edelman and... You are correct. I was was deciding between Edelman and uh, Golden Tate in a draft. When I was up in a draft, I was up in a slow draft. And I ended up going with Golden Tate, and honestly, the tiebreaker for me was Tate's 28, Edelman's 30. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the factors such as Tom Brady being out the first four weeks came for into sure. play a little bit. So I ended up going Tate because uh, I had the 10th overall pick in a 12-teamer, but then coming back, Edelman was still available. So I went ahead and snatched him. Yeah, you'd also think, though, that a guy like Edelman, who's you know more part of the short passing game, he, he'll be able to actually extend his career longer than somebody who's getting hit a lot. But, yeah, uh, who's not necessarily up the middle a ton. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, I had seen this news and I was a little bit concerned, but I feel pretty good having Allen Robinson, Golden Tate, and Julian Edelman as my three top wide receivers yes. in any in any type of format yeah. there. So, but this is PPR, so all the better for the value of Julian Edelman. <laughs> we got another uh, camp injury that's happening. Uh, looks like Tony Romo is going to miss the preseason opener Saturday. There, uh, of course, Cowboys always going to be cautious. Any type of concern there? Not at all. Uh, he's having his usual. Uh, mm-hmm you know, a few days on, one day off type of schedule in training camp so far. He actually had three full days or three days of full padded practice in a row over the weekend. So that was kind of a mild shock, I guess. But, you know, it's, it's always always good to see that he's uh, he's doing well right now. Yeah. So no concern for the week one status of Tony Romo, who is always seems to be finding himself fantasy wise in fringe quarterback one territory. Right now, he's 16th in ADP, kind of right in the same range as Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, those type of players. I always I got to think, though, with a with a healthy Des Bryant, presumably healthy Des Bryant, I guess we'll see. You gotta. I would almost bump Romo up a little bit this year. The outlook's positive. Yeah, it always seems like when he's presumably undervalued that he outperforms his ADP, and then when he's slightly overvalued, that's when he has the injury bad luck. Basically, yep. it seems like that's a pattern in his career. So mm-hmm. you know, you could probably get him in the like you said, fringe QB one territory. 12-13 if it's a 12-team league and, yep. you know, reap the profit. Yeah, we're going to see <laughs> Dak Prescott then taking probably a lot of snaps in that season opener. That's the current backup listed on the depth chart yep. right now. Exactly. Okay, so another quarterback, uh, Joe Flacco of the Ravens. He's a little bit up in the air for Thursday's preseason opener. Uh, even if he does play, it'll likely be a series or two, so nothing too major there. Uh, Flacco actually down below Romo 22 overall among quarterbacks so he's barely being drafted in two quarterback formats here so he really this news is almost fringe fantasy relevant but there's going to be a lot of people taking Flacco as a quarterback too the concern here as always seems to be his weapons right Steve Smith on the pup list we don't know what we're going to get out of Rashad Perriman this year Kamara Aiken started to step up a little bit last year and of course they brought on Mike Wallace, do you think the the weapons are you are you with me that the weapons are going to be what's knocking Flacco's value down overall? Yeah, and I, just the fact that his uh, safety valves in the tight end position are all basically injured, but Ben Watson, Ben Watson is a newcomer also in the offense, so you can't mm-hmm. really you you don't really know what to expect out of him. Yeah, Dennis Pitta, Crockett, Gilmore, Max Williams all banged up with their own uh, respective ailments, so that's going to be a very tough tight end situation to dissect there in Baltimore. Uh, so let's head up to Green Bay, though, uh, where, of course, we're here from Wisconsin. We've got Aaron Rodgers, uh, who speculated at the Hall of Fame game that he expected Jordy Nelson to practice soon. Of course, the Hall of Fame game canceled due to field conditions. As a Packers fan, I couldn't be more pleased about that. There's no need to throw out an extra preseason game and, and risk any type of injury there. Uh, so so way to go uh, for making the right decision there, mm-hmm. NFL. Anyway, side note, Jordy Nelson going to be back in practice soon. That's pretty big news, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much right Uh, I mean when that guy's healthy that guy just pushes the Packers offense to another level Mm -hmm. uh and he's he gives an added dimension to or he would give an added dimension to any offense no matter which one it is uh obviously we want to see his previous explosiveness and see him Mm -hmm. be a deep threat again um hopefully that means he plays by the third preseason game otherwise we probably won't see him until the season opener yeah, currently sitting on the uh, pup list, but of course expected to uh, to get back to practice soon. So that's always uh, that, that's excellent news there. I just looking at uh, 
our very own uh, Jeff Stotts, injury expert, has a little blurb on him in his recent column on the website. By the way, you can check out all the articles for free on the website by going to rotowire.com slash free or rotowire.com slash pod. So something to think about there. But yeah, Jordy Nelson on the pup list. Uh, essentially, our, our injury analyst, Jeff Stotts, doesn't seem to think it's overly concerned. Uh, he's dealing with tendonitis in his left knee. That's the opposite knee from the one that he injured. So essentially just mm-hmm. a little bit of an overcompensation type injury. Uh, yeah. So n- no surprise to see uh, tendonitis happening there, especially at a stage where you're 31 years old and you just blew out your other knee. So Yeah, and really, yeah, really guys coming off any type of injury the season before mm-hmm. or a surgery in that previous offseason are um, – com- it's going to be a commonality that a lot of them actually or mm-hmm. a decent amount of them have these little setbacks at the – when they're trying to like ramp up the uh, activity level. Right on. Okay, so let's move on to the, continue talking our wide receivers here. We've got Eric Decker. He missed Monday's practice with a sore leg, but he returned, took part in individual drills Tuesday. This doesn't sound like to me anything that should affect his draft stock. How about you? Not at all. Not at all. All right, keeping it simple there. Yeah, Decker sitting at uh, 28 overall among wide receivers here. Uh, so 26 is Fitzgerald, 27 Dante Moncrief, then Decker, then we have 29, Michael Floyd, and 30, Devontae Parker. So it's still a pretty good group when you're looking at wide receiver two, uh, early wide receiver three territory there. So sure. there's there's a decent amount to like in in, in that group there. Uh, so, so yeah, anything, anyway, that's not really affecting a whole lot of news here. Now, what about Doug Baldwin? He's getting closer to uh, returning to practice. He's been, uh, he got stepped on his, in the ankle Achilles area, and he's also dealing with a quad contusion. So uh, we didn't ac- we didn't actually know about this injury until mm-hmm. today. This is something that just came out. So we're not really, sh- I don't re- recall them actually reporting uh, Doug Baldwin missing practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he is drawing closer to a return. Maybe he was just out for the weekend. Um, he was stepped on dealing with a quad concern. Yep. Okay, so of course that has something to do with it here. Uh, another wide receiver that maybe is a little bit more of a hot-button topic is Kelvin Benjamin because he's in a similar situation to Jordy Nelson. Missed all of 2015 with a, uh, a serious knee injury, an ACL injury, of course. Looks like Kelvin Benjamin is a little bit ahead of Jordy Nelson in terms of progress here. Benjamin's going to play in the Thursday preseason opener, and uh, that's good news, right? Any expectations for him in the opener? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not really. Like yeah, it, he'll, pro- series, he'll right? play a series or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard anything bad. Uh, it seems yeah. like they're trying to incorporate him into what what happened to be a more balanced offense last year when he wasn't a part of it. Exactly. Um, and I, I think just the learning experience for Cam like will work. Uh, will be beneficial for him. All right, now Eric, I passed on Kelvin Benjamin today when I had the chance mm-hmm. when I took Golden Tate. Did I make a mistake? No, I would have taken Tate. Okay, cool. So we're on the same page. I did not make a mistake. Just looking for the reassurance. It, it's here. just, uh, I guess uh, maybe the uh, yardage potential is a bit higher for uh, mm-hmm. Benjamin, but uh, I, I feel more comfortable with Tate being more of a touchdown threat in that exactly. offense All right. than and then, Benjamin in Carolina. And then the next thing that I did is I passed on Calvin Benjamin to take Julian Edelman. Granted, this is a PPR format. Oh, really? Did I make a mistake there? That might be a bit closer. <laughs> okay, a bit closer. Fair. I figured the... Uh, the um, See, I, I didn't read about the injury news when I made a pick this morning, sure. so I, I kind of made that pick before really realizing it. And and it's very interesting because you look at ADP, 20 is Golden Tate, 
21's Julian Edelman, 22's Calvin Benjamin. So these are the real kinds of decisions people are going to have to make sure. in their drafts this season. And what what really swayed me to take Edelman first was the fact that it's a PPR league. Yeah. And uh, so, so so I had that going for him. Now, let's look at uh let's take a look at Calvin Benjamin's projections here for 2016. First of all, um, without looking at it, do you think we Rotowire has him projected for over or under 1,000 receiving yards? I would guess over. Over? Okay, we're right on the fringe. I gave you a tough one off the bat. We got him for 983. Oh, okay. So you're guessing over. Would If you had to make the projection, if you were making the projection, would you say over 1,000? Yeah, because he went over 1,000 his rookie year. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to – I don't know if he'll match that, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, our uh, our – projections actually have him very close to his rookie year uh, in his rookie year he caught 73 balls for 1008 yards nine touchdowns we're being a little bit conservative this year coming off the injury uh, on our site we have him at 72 receptions for 983 yards and eight touchdowns so right in that area so right right around a thousand yards receiving and i, I think you could yeah. very well exceed those projections uh provided he comes out as healthy and it looks like everything is on the right track yeah regarding I, think, him. I think that a lot of that is assuming that cam newton the learning experience last year will help him be more equitable with everybody in the offense trying to get a, keep everybody involved rather than focusing on one man or i guess two men mm-hmm. uh about benjamin and uh greg olson Yes, exactly. I actually still like Greg Olson a lot as yeah. a tight end. I very much think uh, I, I would take him over Jordan Reed. I think you can get away with uh, waiting yes. on Olson and still getting a good value at him in drafts there. But that's a side note. Uh, sticking with the wide receiver group, uh, some new developments out of Philadelphia where we've got a Jordan Matthews potential injury here. Uh, head coach Doug Peterson confirmed on Monday that it figures to be a couple of weeks before Matthews is able to return to action here. Uh, he's got that got that knee injury going on. And, uh, I, I'm trying to look at specifics of the injury. Can you elaborate what's going on with Jordan Matthews? Apparently he took a low hard hit in practice late last week. Uh, they're deeming it a sore knee. They're not really saying much else. So either it's a contusion. I, I would guess it's just a contusion. They're going to let him rest it, rest mm-hmm. it, let him uh, re- rest in rehab, basically. Okay. Uh, there hasn't been any um, talk about any type of ligament damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so contusion is a fancy word for a bruise, right? Yes. All right, so basically... A he bad, got a, he wicked got a helmet. Yeah, he got a wicked, awful bruise, probably from a helmet, right? Yeah, I would guess so. How the heck are they letting these low hard hits happen in practice these days? Do you think they'd be a little smarter than that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like at every training camp, they're having to like kind of self-discipline mm-hmm. um, because... Or they're or they're teaching self discipline, but uh, these guys are still like going all out and trying to knock out their teammates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some plays, especially players fighting for a roster spot. There's no speed other than full go. It's yeah. just interesting that I mean, I know it's tough to eliminate completely, but he's your number one wide receiver. You've got a lot of question marks behind him on the roster. Nelson Aguilar, maybe he'll take up and a step up in a second year. We don't really know. Ruben Randall. You kind of know what you're getting from him. There's been a large enough sample size already there. And you're looking at the Josh Huffs, Chris Gibbons, uh, which are probably really limited to kick return duties after that spot on the depth chart. So, Yeah, it's like, who are you really worried about, though, like stealing targets from Jordan Matthews if he's healthy? Zach Ertz. Yeah, I mean, that's the only guy. Yeah, somehow. Oh, so we've got Selick ahead on the depth chart, and they might play an equal and amount of snaps, but Ertz is the pass catcher there, right? There's no question about that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, that's that's just the what the Eagles' first unofficial depth chart had actually listed uh, was Selick ahead of Ertz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, naturally. I mean, Ertz, he's in his 
fourth year now. He's yep. about time, about due to uh, really step it up. Last year, out. last year he had more receptions, seventy-five, and more yards, eight hundred fifty-three, and more targets, one hundred twelve, than any other uh, any other year of his career. But he only had two touchdowns, and his yards per target of seven point six was a career career low. Yet I'm still seeing him as a top ten tight end. Is he a tight end one this year? Uh, I mean, with the lack of targets in Philly, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, average uh, draft but, position has him number eight overall. Right. Is uh, Sam Bradford an inspiring guy to you know ensure that? I mean, I guess Gary Barnage last year had less inspiring quarterback play and still mm-hmm. was top five or top five tight end. Yeah. So I like guess uh, the tight end or the quarterback that's throwing to said tight end isn't really that important, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can see him being top eight. Okay, he needs a requisite number of uh, targets, so he needs yeah. that target count to be there. I think if he sees a hundred targets, he'll finish in tight end one territory. Yeah, I mean, he only had a hundred twelve last year, and it's tough to determine will he get that many because they're not going to run nearly as many plays as they sure. ran with Chip Kelly last year. So it's a very, it's an interesting situation there that I'm a little bit tentative to go after Zach. Zach Ertz too heavy. I mean, I, we've talked about this before. If you find yourself in that tier, I'm going to just kick back and wait to go after guys like Ladarius Green, maybe Martellus Bennett, Dwayne Allen, those types of players, even Safarian Jenkins. I think I like him as a sleeper this year. Um, I, the only thing I'll say is uh, he helped, or Doug, Coach Doug Peterson helped develop uh, Travis Kelsey into, you know, one of the top tier tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. So maybe he'll have like the same, uh, you know, effect on Zach Ertz and Philly. All right. Fair enough here. Let's move on to another uh, another uh, top-tier wide receiver here, Elshon Jeffrey. Uh, he's back in practice, missed a few practices due to a hamstring strain. Of course, unsure of availability for Thursday's preseason opener. Anything other than precautionary right now, he's still wide receiver one. I know hamstring yeah. tends to scare a lot of people, right? Yeah, it's this is all a precautionary measure. They just want to be healthy for the season, especially after the injury plague season last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Elshon Jeffrey, uh, not too worried about that. Again, ADP-wise, he checks in right up there near the top. Uh, I would say I'm looking at it right now. We've got 13 overall, so just after Brandon Marshall – just before Amari Cooper and Jarvis Landry. So yeah, I think he's right where he needs to be ADP-wise, right? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a ton of good wide receivers. Uh, you know, you'd think 13 puts him in wide receiver two territory, but he's he's got wide receiver one potential, especially if you're taking, you know, running backs or, or Gronk in the first couple rounds here. Yeah, what running back are you afraid of uh, stealing targets from him in Chicago right now? Like, Matt Forte isn't there. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to go straight committee with... No Martellus Bennett. Yeah, no Martellus Bennett. That is a very good point. I haven't thought about that too much, but, I mean, Cutler... We know how Cutler used to treat Brandon Marshall when he was in Chicago, right? He would yeah. just force the ball to him under any and all circumstances, no matter what, because that was really one of his only options. Yep. Uh, this year, I mean, Kevin White's behind him, but he's very young and unproven. Mm-hmm. So now we've got Elshon Jeffrey, given his health, should Zach be a top tier... Zach oh, Miller. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't forget about Zach Miller there. <laughs> he can cause uh, Zach Miller at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that is correct. So, uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of competition. Uh, I honestly think Chicago's offense as a whole regresses a bit from last year. Without Adam Gase around to guide Jay Cutler and help him prevent him from making mistakes, of course, Gase went to take the head coaching job in Miami. Without him around to be kind of really watch over Cutler, I don't really see Cutler getting any any better than he was last year it's only downhill from here for jay oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, but let's head to Cleveland where we've got a couple wide receivers that are worth uh, taking a look at here. Of course, number one on the depth chart now, rookie Corey Coleman, because, I mean, that should tell you a lot about the depth chart there. But uh, we've seen, he was seen with his left hamstring wrapped in ice during Saturday's orange and brown scrimmage. Man, I wonder how many people come to see that. Uh, So they they held it at Ohio Stadium, you know, where Ohio State plays football. And I think it was fairly... I mean, it wasn't like a I mean, game day during a Saturday in the fall, but it, it, it was there was a decent crowd there. There was a decent crowd. See, I yeah. was going to put the over-under at like 500, but I guess Cleveland fans proving me wrong there. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe they're just excited about the Hugh Jackson era. Yeah, that, yeah that's got to be it. Maybe they're still re- <laughs> still reeling from the NBA championship. But yeah, yeah. At least the city's got some hope after dealing with these Browns. But uh, Corey Coleman, well, the thing about in Cleveland here, RG3 named a starter recently. That's mm-hmm. pretty big news. So now... Corey Coleman, RG3, both Baylor products. Maybe they'll have that type of connection. I guess we'll see. And then we have Josh Gordon on the other side to compliment Corey Coleman, or really more the other way around, Corey Coleman complimenting Josh Gordon, at least after week four when Josh Gordon comes back from a suspension. Gordon's getting closer to his first camp, though, right? Uh, yeah, his, so he might practice for the first time soon. Um, actually, on Monday, Hugh Jackson's had a curious comment saying that the wideout would admit himself that he needs to shed weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's not verbatim. It's, you know, our, our own words. But um, the thing that I took from that is that his conditioning rather than the quad injury that they previously referenced is really the issue right now. They want him to, you know, get into a semblance of shape before putting him through the ringer of practices. I mean, do you have any idea what he's been doing in the last 18 months? Um, traveling around in private jets with Johnny Menzel. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I suppose he's had a pretty fun off season. Yeah. I and mean, if he was, if he was doing that, you got to think uh, we'd get a flag test or something showing yeah. up, right? You don't really hang around Johnny Manziel and stay sober. <laughs> and, I don't think that's a thing. No. <laughs> no. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, like I, I mean, yeah, you think he would be preparing for the uh, for the event that mm-hmm. he was actually cleared, which happened, you yeah. know, late last month, to actually return to football. But apparently he still needs a few weeks. Who knows how how much how long that is actually going to take, though? Yeah, very very interesting. I think Manzel being out of town is probably one of the best things that could happen yes. to Josh Gordon. There's there's little doubt about that. If they, if he's going to move on with his football career, he's actually got the skills to be an NFL player as opposed to Johnny Manzel, whose skills were borderline, and then the character was just uh, right at right yeah. at the bottom of the crapper. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, aside from the conditioning concerns mm-hmm. or the presumed conditioning concerns here, uh, it seems like he's doing everything else right. He's like he's writing autographs. He's staying out of trouble. He's being he's got a, so much not time. being a nuisance in any way. He's got so much time to correct the conditioning concerns. Yeah. So I'm starting to get more and more bare, or I'm sorry, bullish yeah. on Josh Gordon as we get closer to drafts here. Let's head to talk about a few backs, though. Want to go to Seattle, where we've got Thomas Rawls. Uh, he had a 15-minute side session on Tuesday today, and that included 10 to 40-yard uh, sprints. Just got activated from the pup list on Sunday. Things are looking up for Thomas Rawls. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's on the right track now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, are you can you take this news and maybe bump him up a little higher on your draft boards? Um, maybe not immediately. Maybe, uh, maybe wait until there's some. Maybe until you until you know until we know that he might actually play in the preseason, mm-hmm. and I would say you'd have to do that by the third preseason games, knowing these you know how coaches act with okay. uh, the four allotted preseason games. All right, see. 
the way I, I'm looking at ADP right now, yeah. and Rawls is 15 overall among backs, and I really think that's as high as it's going to get for him among ADP. 15 is if he's healthy and proven and good to go. Let me just read 10 through 15 here. You've got Eddie Lacy, 10, Doug Martin, 11, C.J. Anderson, 12, Matt Forte, 13, LaShawn McCoy, 14, and Thomas Rawls, 15. I don't think I'd bump Thomas Rawls above any of those guys, even if he were healthy. Yeah, and like, what? Are, who are the guys immediately behind him? The lot. Oh, okay. right Sixteen is Carlos Hyde. Seventeen, Dion Lewis. Eighteen, Demarco Murray. Nineteen, Latavius Murray. Twenty, Matt Jones. Matt Jones should probably go down a little yeah. bit, but I could see Demarco, Latavius, even Carlos Hyde. So actually, he he seems in a pretty comfortable spot there. Yeah, and even if he does happen to come back for that uh, third preseason game and play a little bit, show mm-hmm. that he's the guy that he was late last season. Yeah. I, I I can't see myself really bumping him up above the guys you mentioned from 10 to 15. Yeah, he's looking like a late third or early fourth round pick. I believe uh, our own Jason Thornberry in a slow draft we did, he had the 12th pick overall and, of course, didn't take him with uh, 12 or 13. But coming back on the turn, Thorn got him, but he's a Seattle guy. He yeah. knows what he's getting. <laughs> so so maybe a little bit overdrafted. I mean, it, granted, by that point, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson and Eddie Lacy were all long gone in the draft here, of course, being up here in Wisconsin here. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, I agree. Not that I I, I want to knock Thomas Rawls. I think he has tons of opportunity and a great offense for it. I just, I think that 15 is about his ceiling as far as ADP. I wouldn't really take him much higher than that. I think that's right where he needs to be in a perfect situation here. But right in that similar tier, we find a guy like Matt Forte, and he's only practice with the team a couple times due to uh, what is being called a hamstring tweak of course that makes him unlikely to play in the preseason opener on Thursday now I mentioned Rawls at 15 among eight in ADP Matt Forte is at 13 here what's your level of concern with Forte I mean he how many games did he miss last year due to injury um I mean yeah he's getting to the point of his career where like any type of injury is going to be concerning considering his age mm-hmm. um and I'm f- bringing that up right now but um yeah Forte missed 3 games with the Bears last year but the years before that 16 games 16 games 15 games so he's going to be turning 31 in mm-hmm. uh December he's he's in his age 30 season considering the wear and tear that we've always discussed when it comes to Forte uh, considering his heavy usage in Chicago previously, it, it's really tough for me to believe that. I don't, I don't know. He's going to have a completely healthy campaign here. Mm-hmm. But he, had, that being said, he finds himself right up there in ADP within the top fifteen yeah. according to the NFFC. I think the reason for that is because you look at the depth chart behind him. You have Bilal Powell, Bernard Pierce, Kyrie Robinson, mm-hmm. none of which I see threatening a healthy Matt Forte for for carries. Exactly, right? that, precisely. Like so, so, if he is able to stay healthy, then he is in the correct spot in ADP. Yeah, and you, 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 that's something that you just have to hope comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, outside of the age, there's not much about his history to suggest yeah. durability concern. Sure, you know, uh, it, so it's only that thirty number, you know, and it could be a, uh, uh, he could be just one of those individuals that is uh, prone to avoiding injuries. Sure, yeah. we get, I mean, the three well, only so missed three games last year. Yeah, like for the bulk of his career, he's probably gone in what the top three rounds. 
no matter what. Yeah, I mean, um, for the prime of my fantasy football days, he's yeah. been in the first round, no doubt. So 2011, missed four games. Uh, 2012, just one. That's all right. Mm-hmm. No worries there. But then last year, three. So there are two campaigns you can throw, you can kind of point to in the last five seasons in which he missed nearly a third of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, it's tough to find guys with a, a spotless track no, record I know. like that. Exactly. Even in the even guys ahead of him in the first round well, ADP, there's so many knee say, injuries and stuff like that. Exactly. Look at where people are valuing Jamal Charles, Charles this year, and I feel Jamal like Charles he's more of a guy. concern than anyone. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, maybe that's just me here. Uh, let's talk about some tight ends, Eric. Uh, Jordan Reed has been diagnosed with a previously unreported thumb injury, and that happened on Tuesday. You were kind of down on him to start with. Not maybe down on him. I think he'll have a good year, but you think he's being a little bit overdrafted. Does that, that to, I mean, this news only strengthens those concerns, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, it always seems like he's dealing with some type of nagging injury. Uh, last year was the only season in his career in which he actually put together a near, nearly full season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, stress nearly here because yeah. he did miss two games last exactly. year. Exactly. Uh, I believe that was a concussion issue, though. So mm-hmm. it wasn't actually like I believe he had just, he's dealt with hamstring and mm-hmm. other type of injuries in the past. Sure. But also the fact that there's a pretty stacked wide receiving core in Washington right now with Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, Jabinson Crowder, Josh Doxson. I mean, that's those are the top four wideouts, and that's not even getting to tight end. Mm-hmm. We have guys like I Vernon mean, Derek. Car- well, Vernon Davis, Derek Carrier, Niles Paul, um, mm-hmm. um, Logan Paulson. Like, it, they yeah. have pretty decent depth all across the uh, landscape when it comes to the pass catchers. Yes, they have good good weapons in the pass game, and and yeah, I, I'm right there with you there. But yeah, Jordan, we read 14 games last year, 11 in 2014, nine in 2013. There always seems to be something. So there's a pretty there's there's more risk here with taking him because I, I mean ADP <clears throat> the second overall tight end suggests that he should be going in maybe the third or fourth round. Yeah, I could I would rather I, me I would rather take Ray Olson in a spot like that just because I feel like it's safer. For sure. <laughs> but, I mean I, I I can't say anything else but agree with you there. Exactly. And I mean <laughs> well let's just say and it has nothing to do with his thumb injury that surfaced on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. I mean, that we, this news didn't change our mind on Jordan Reed. Yeah. All right. And when he's on the field, man, he's a huge red zone threat. There's no doubt about that. But uh, he's got to be on the field first here. Let's talk with another banged up tight end. Not with, but about. And that is Jimmy Graham. He looks like he's getting close to being activated from the pup list. Of course, recovering from that torn patella tendon that was suffered in week 12 of last season here. Is this news too early to really react on it? man like i i'm i'm not a fan of jimmy graham anymore at this point in his career after this injury so like i'll i'll read this news like store it but then when it comes to a draft i'll just be like i'm not gonna take him anyway so no worries yeah see me i'll get jimmy graham in a couple of uh mfl 10 some of those best ball leagues sure, maybe that makes sense where you know you don't have to rely on him on a week-to-week basis but he's not someone that i'm gonna take uh, take to be my tight end number one and and start him every week because we don't know one when he'll be back and two how effective he'll be when he got back I was big on Jimmy Graham heading into last season because I watched Russell Wilson at Wisconsin for a year and noticed how much he loved throwing to the tight ends Pedersen was the guy I remember specifically yeah and Russell Wilson did a great job finding the tight ends in the office didn't matter who they were or what type of ability Russell Wilson would find them and we saw shades of that with Luke Wilson I guess he had a couple big games in the past Mm -hmm. but him and Jimmy Graham never really got on the same page 
So injury or not, they weren't there before the injury. So even if a healthy Jimmy Graham comes back, how much is he going to be used in the offense? How much will Russell Wilson look his way when he has weapons like Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett to look to? And the offense really did not open up in in Seattle until Jimmy Graham was actually not in that offense anymore. That's when Doug Baldwin had his you know late season explosion and won a lot of people fantasy championships. That's when Russell Wilson had, I believe, only two interceptions versus. 20 plus touchdowns over the last seven games so with jimmy graham back in the fold is that gonna bog down their offense again does it really depend on if they can keep that an effective running game because they they did have almost a near perfect 50 50 split during that stretch too which is so rare in the nfl these days you just don't see that happening all right, a couple other tips and uh, news tidbits, I guess you could say, before uh, we wrap up here. Mark Sanchez, Trevor Simeon listed as co-number one quarterbacks in the first Denver unofficial depth chart. Uh, wide receiver news, Vincent Jackson, he's a DNP Tuesday, just a little bit banged up. Victor Cruz missed most of practice Tuesday due to a groin concern. He won't play in the preseason opener Friday. Then we've got John Brown with a concussion. He won't play Friday, even if he's cleared before then. Seems like the smart move here. Man, these Arizona receivers, I know the cards are your, one of your secondary teams here, Eric. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts before we wrap up on how that plays out because they're all really close in terms of ADP. Fitzgerald 26, Floyd 29, John Brown 32. Is there any uh, one of those three that you think could be poised for a breakout this year? It, it's such a it's an offense that really depends on who's open, right? Mm-hmm. Um Fitzgerald had a throwback season last year we that not a lot of us saw coming had a thousand yards for the first time in a few seasons um John Brown actually surpassed thousand a thousand yards for the first time in his career and if Michael Floyd had actually played all 16 games I think he only played 13 last year he would have also surpassed a thousand yards Mm -hmm. um so yeah you could maybe rely on you know the yardage being there but I don't think any of them is going to be given the requisite amount of targets for you to actually um for them to maybe Mm -hmm. jump into you know if you're talking about breakouts for those guys you want them to go from wide receiver two to wide receiver one right and i I don't really see that happening unless one of them gets knocked out yeah exactly yeah the one thing that kind of stands out to me with this whole deal larry fitzgerald you mentioned a resurgence, 8.4 yards per target last year. That's a four-year high for him. Uh, and then you got John Brown. He had 9.9 yards per yeah. target. Of course, he's getting looked at more down the field. But mm-hmm. Michael Floyd, right up in there in that group last season, 9.5 yards per target. That's a little surprising. I didn't realize it was that high. Mm-hmm. So you get Floyd on the field. Mm-hmm. I think he has the – you know, I think it was two years ago I went on went on the air, made a bold statement – Floyd will be the better fantasy receiver than Larry Fitzgerald. I said that a couple years ago. Yes, I was wrong. Believe it or not, we get it wrong once in a while. Yeah. However, I think that statement will eventually hold true. I was just a year or two too late. I like well, I, I, I like Floyd a lot in this offense. I mean, if if you or anybody listening out there, you know, considers the contract year scenario, like he is working for a contract this year, mm-hmm. so. Consider that when you're you know thinking about drafting them this year. And I mean, they're so close together in ADP where any little thing like that might have to serve as your tiebreaker. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap it up for Tuesday's Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Again, we appreciate any ratings or reviews. If you want to check out rotowire.com for 10 days on your own, be sure to go to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I'm Jake Letarski. Give me a follow on Twitter at jakeski 52 and over here, I'm Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. 
the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will return on Wednesday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.